tis the season. You know, uh, I, f- I found that, that particular little video, and I thought it fit really well because I didn't want to read 21 verses and, you know, just really encapsulate the Christmas story. But we've been going through a series at Element Church this month where we've been saying, hey, tis the season, and most of you, I think, know the song. It's tis the season to be jolly. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, the, the, the kind of the running gag has been, like, you know, who, who's jolly? Like, no one wants to be called jolly. Uh, that, that means something else. It's like, I'm, I'm a little jolly. I've had too much Christmas food. And we've, we've been going through these different emotions and things that happen to us during the Christmas season. We've talked about, uh, you know, s- we joked that tis the season to be grumpy last week because um, a lot of times the season gets us grumpier. Tis the season to be broke. We talked about being not broke money-wise, but being broke in a lot of ways emotionally and and physically. But this is Christmas Eve. This is one of the the greatest times we get to celebrate as Christians. And so tonight I want to talk about how tis the season to be amazed. To be amazed at what Christ has done for us. And so we've arrived on Christmas Eve. Good old St. Nick, he is on his way. I hear he's being tracked by Google Maps. I guess there's some other people who do it, but, but Google Maps is the one everyone's actually going to check. And I, from what I understand, he's looking forward to dropping off gifts to most of us, Cole to some of you. <laughs> he's looking forward to cookies and milk. He's also looking forward to slapping any heretics who deny the triune nature of God. That's a... Some of you who understand some of the St. Nicholas, uh, you know, uh, the saint, the actual church saint will get that. Uh, he may have slapped someone at a church council because they ha- said bad things about the Trinity. If you don't get it, Google it. <laughs> Speaking of Google, I'm a Google advertisement. We all love gifts, don't we? I mean... I'm excited about tomorrow. I'm not going to pretend like, uh, you know, now as, as I've gotten a little bit older, that I'm like, oh, well, I guess I'll get some gifts. I'm like, there's stuff under the tree. It's been under the tree now for days. I want to open it. I want my stuff. <laughs> and you do too. And, but I'm also just as excited. And I think, I think especially for those of us, as, as you get older, it's more and more exciting to see people open the gifts that you give them. Um, I'm, I'm really excited to make my wife's stocking. I think it's going to be a lot of fun, and she's going to love it in the morning, and I'm really excited about that. And, you know, usually we get our gifts, and we're surprised by them. They're a surprise because we don't know what's inside. Now, me, I have a bad habit. The first year I was married, I got in so much trouble because I'm really, really good at guessing gifts. Who here's good at guessing gifts? You can get that wrapping. You can, you can, like, I pretty much know it. There's a few of us, a few of us in here who have that talent, that knack. She does not appreciate that. <laughs> I don't do it anymore. <laughs> but even for those of us who can do that, every now and then, a gift will just amaze us. A gift will be so, so out of what we, we couldn't have imagined that it's amazing. When you're a kid, like, Every Christmas, your gifts amaze you. I remember, I don't remember exactly how old I was, but I remember the Christmas where the Super Nintendo came out, and I did not think I was going to get a Super Nintendo. But Christmas morning, 
Santa delivered. <laughs> and I was amazed because I had no idea I was going to be getting that. Nowadays, it'd be a little bit bigger. If Santa dropped off a car, I'd be pretty amazed. That'd be sweet. Ever watch those car commercials this time of year and people, are, they got bows on these cars. I'm like, who is buying cars at Christmas? <laughs> Jesus is that kind of gift, the one that we should be amazed by because in a human baby resided the creator of the universe. I'm going to reread a little portion of that Christmas story we just, we just read here. It starts in Luke chapter 2, and it reads, Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Amazed is right, because I don't know about you guys, but the heavenly hosts, they're talking about the angels. They don't just show up every day. If the heavenly host appeared to me or even a good friend and they told me about it, I'd be like, that's pretty amazing. And I love that it wasn't just the shepherds, but everyone who heard the shepherd's story was amazed by what happened the first Christmas. You get the feeling that in some way, even those who didn't witness it, those who were nearby and even got to hear about it first and second hand, were awed that they got to be a part of this thing that God was doing in and among them. They were a part of something special. And I love that 2,000 years later, we can still hear this story and say, this whole thing where Jesus was born, I'm amazed by that. And I still get to be a part of what God was doing through that. That's amazing 2,000 years later. I'm going to give you three quick reasons to be amazed this Christmas because preachers typically do things in threes. But I think this Christmas we can be amazed because Jesus is the true king. Because at Christmas we talk a lot about, about, the, about the Christ child, the baby Jesus. But the baby Jesus is the true king of the universe. In, in two, Luke 2, 4, it's talking about more uh, his Davidic line. So Joseph also went up to the town of Nazareth in Galilee, to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. And we go back to those who were hearing this story and who were amazed by it. The Jewish people in Israel 2,000 years ago for hundreds of years, God had been silent. The Jewish people had, had been in and out of exile from the land that was their home. And now they were back in it, but they were oppressed by a government called the Roman Empire. And Rome was holding them down and keeping them from ruling themselves. And for hundreds of years, they had been watching and waiting for the king to return to them 
the king of Israel to rise up and to free them from Rome. And that brings us to all this stuff that's happening in Bethlehem, which wasn't a major metropolis. It wasn't a big town, but this little, this smaller town was known for being the town that the original good king of Israel, David, was from. And all the kings ever in Israel came from this one king, David. And angels are suddenly around these people in Bethlehem announcing what God is doing. And they could only hear in their hearts these people who've been crying out for hope for so long that, wait, we're in the town of the king. And angels are announcing things. The king is coming. And it's funny because that sort of thing gave them hope, right? I think it's a very human thing in general because we often think that if only this, then everything would be okay. If only the Jedi were real, (laughs) then everything would be okay. If only this would happen. If only this person would get elected. If only... But our ideas for that never seem to work. I don't know if you've noticed that. And that's because the only one who can save us is the one true king, Jesus, who's the hero of the story of the universe. And it's a story that's still being told. The true king comes as a baby and is the king of everything. We also could be amazed because Jesus is not only the king, Jesus is the Messiah. I hear the word Messiah, I think of that one like famous piece of music, Messiah, the Messiah, and, and it's a gorgeous piece, but when it talks about Jesus here in Luke 2, it says, the angel said to them, do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. You've been around church at all? You've probably heard somebody say that Jesus saves. And sometimes that makes you think, well, how? How? Wait, wait, Jesus saves, what does that mean? Jesus saves because Jesus is the promised Messiah of the Old Testament. 2,000 years ago, but in this ancient land, he wouldn't be the Messiah that people expected or wanted. Because as we saw, what we usually want a savior or a Messiah to be is usually wrong. They wanted a king who would make them free from Rome. Instead, what they got was a king, a Messiah who was bigger than that, who didn't come just to save, to, to save a nation from an oppressive people, but came to save everyone from their sins. Most of us have heard of a dude named Abraham. Back, way back in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis. If you haven't, I'll tell you a little bit about him. Uh, Abraham was, was one of the, the patriarchs of the Old Testament, so thousands and thousands of years ago. And he's a really old guy, like really old. And God tells him, hey, I know you and your wife haven't had any kids, but you're going to have a kid. And Abraham's like, what? We're all way too old for that. 
This is the Eric Standard version of the Bible. It's a little summarized. Um, but God makes him a promise and says, hey, your, your descendants are going to be numerous and you're going to have you're going to have kids and God's going to use your kid. God said to him, he's going to use your kids to bless every nation of the world. It's a big promise. God said to him that through Abraham, all nations would be blessed. And, a, and out of Abraham came the nation of Israel. And later, God would talk about Israel being a light to the nations. Because when you read the Old Testament, Israel was never supposed to just be God's people on their own. They were supposed to be God's people who all the other nations of the world would look to. In fact, this is what it looks like to follow God. How can we be like them? They never live up to it. But God remembers this thousands of year old promise to Abraham and fulfills it in the Messiah, Jesus. Ever have to wait thousands of years for a promise to be fulfilled? That's a long one. But God does it. And Jesus comes not to give political victory over Rome, but to fulfill that promise that God is going to all nations and all people with his love and his grace and his mercy. Don't you love it when a plan comes together? We can be amazed because all of this, we can be amazed because Jesus is, can bring us peace. Peace on earth is something we hear all the time at Christmas. Peace on earth, goodwill to men. The, the, the verse here in Luke 2.14 says it this way, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. There's a little bit of a qualifier there, isn't it? Not just peace on earth to everyone. Peace on earth on whom his favor rests. Jesus the King the Messiah was in the business of expanding the peace of God into the whole world, and not just for some people or a chosen people, but for everyone who would believe in Jesus. Because those who believe in Jesus are on whom who God's favor rests. Because Jesus came as the baby, but he grew up, and we killed him. But because he was God, he didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead three days later. There's another big Christ Christian holiday about that, Easter or something. I think we do that every once a year. He raises from the dead and he never dies again. So we can all have peace with God because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. It's why we celebrate his birth, because he came to pay our price that we could never pay. We could never balance out a cosmic naughty or nice list. And we try. We're like, well, if I can just be good enough, then maybe I can be right with God and he loves me. And God's saying, you don't have to be good enough. In fact, you'll never be good enough. That's why I came. Because you're not, but I am. Because I am and I died for you you can be saved. You can have new life. You can be born again. You can trade in all that junk for what Jesus has for you today. 
looking for peace, today you'll find it in Jesus.